You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Special guests and off topics in this segment. Anything goes. You're listening to 3 p.m. All right, guys, we have the specialists of guests. My beautiful, lovely younger sister, Heather. Uh, This all started because I gave her a call one day. I was driving across Portland. I was stuck in traffic. And I was like, I just want to talk to my sister. So I called her and her and I went down a rabbit hole and we talked <laughs> for like two and a half hours. And she she was just telling me all these things. And the way she was telling me and her ability to remember things and stuff, I was like, dude, can you call us sometime and just tell us on pod? And she was like, sure. Yeah. Just like give me a, a day heads up and I'll do my best. So that's what's happening right now. She's going to break down a super famous crazy case and kind of go over some of the crazier details I didn't previously know. So you guys might be familiar with this case, but we'll see if you know all the crazy details. So Heather, what's up? How are you? Hey guys. And Hey listeners. Um, like Charlie said, my name's Heather, but first of all, I just want to thank you guys for having me back on, um, 3am. You've been really good to me. So thank you for this opportunity. Always, always. Cool. So, let me ask you guys first, how familiar are you guys with this case? Can you kind of preface it first? Like, like which case? Sure. Yeah, like Sean doesn't case? even know. Okay. So the case that we're talking about tonight is going to be the case of Elisa Lamb. She's a 21-year-old girl from Vancouver, Canada, who took a trip to California and goes missing in LA. I would say surface level familiar. Okay. I've seen the watch mojos on this. (laughs) Nice. Very cool. Um, So I basically took copious notes last night. uh, So I pretty much know everything from the docu-series that's listed on Netflix. So I'm not, you know, an expert in the sense that I didn't follow this case very closely or anything, but I am pretty familiar with the docu-series at least. So I can answer some questions if, if you guys have questions throughout it. She knows more than us, and that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Sweet. Um, okay, so you guys want to just like jump right into a brief summary of the case itself, kind of the details of the, the disappearance, and then we can then dive into the coincidences that surround this case and, yep. and why it's such a fad in social media. Yeah, that sounds perfect, especially for okay. uh, people where this, is, this might be new information. So, Right, right. Okay. So there's this 21-year-old girl um, from Chinese descent who her parents immigrated over from Hong Kong, okay? And they moved to Vancouver, Canada. So her name's Elisa. And she decides to take a trip to California. She wants to hit the West Coast. She wants to do San Diego, LA, San Francisco, like the whole shebang. And so she does her San Diego part. She heads up to LA. She stays at the Cecil Hotel. So... The history of that hotel is pretty infamous in itself, Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later of how many crazy things have happened at this hotel and why it's kind of the most haunted hotel, definitely on the West Coast, but I don't know about the world, but anyway. So she's staying at the Cecil. She goes missing Um, about 20 days after after she's missing. She's actually found in the water tanks system of this hotel, and so... This is at a time in the world where web sleuthing, viral videos are just kind of 
blowing up. Not to say that web sleuthing started at this time, but it's ramping up to be become more popular. And so the public has a huge part in this case because people get at- got attached to, you know, the missing person report. And not only because of web sleuthing in itself, but they got attached because of this bizarre video that was leaked, not leaked, that was posted on the LAPD website. And this video is the last known video of Elisa Lamb's final moments of life. And she's acting, some would say, pretty bizarre in this video, and it's about a four-minute video. So the public just goes haywire um, and really wanting to know the details and solve the mystery, essentially. Real quick, you guys have both seen yeah. the video? Yeah. Yep. If, you ha- if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the video, it is 100% a must, but do it your own discretion because it is truly creepy. It's yeah. bone chilling. It is. It is such a weird experience to watch. And like, she's not acting like, to me, what seems like a rational or like, Oh, definitely not. It seems almost possessed, almost paranormal. It's so creepy. To me, it seemed paranoid. Mm, like but, it almost seems like she is, you know, the part where she starts like bending her hands and like mm-hmm. putting them above her head. Like, uh, like yeah, that's not I, just paranoid. There's something else happening. I don't remember seeing that part of the video. Oh, should we watch it real mm-hmm. quick? I mean, no, let's, no. we'll watch it. We'll watch it later. I'll I, catch up. I, I only remember the part where she goes in the elevator and like is looking out like she's like something being followed. Yeah. I don't remember anything about like, dude. You got to watch the whole four minutes. Okay, maybe I'm like that, DJ. No, I was just uh, reiterating like the feeling it caused when I watched it. I remember checking my surroundings <laughs> seriously. Yeah, like making sure I was safe. So it's truly uh, something to behold. <laughs> and I don't know if you were going to cover this, sis, but one of my favorite details is. No one realized anything bad had gone on until they started complaining about the taste of the water. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part of this case. Were you going to cover that later? Yeah, we definitely can. I mean, we could even talk about it right now. Sorry, I'll let you do your thing. I'll let you do your thing. (laughs) No, it's, it's totally fine. I mean, that in itself is just such a disturbing part of this case. I mean, imagine owning a hotel or a business and that happening i mean it would just imagine being the people that you're drinking and brushing your teeth and showering in this water it's just horrendous you know that's to me is is one of the more disturbing parts of this case for real for sure so yeah so and i I guess it, it is a good segue into that part because you know we have elisa lamb going missing suddenly people start noticing um the tap water and and then that that's when they discover the body because there was complaints about low water pressure. So maintenance went up there and discovered Elisa Lamb in the water tank, naked um, and floating face up, which is actually not common for a drowning say, that case. That sounds weird to me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So exactly that, guys. So like the case on face value alone is just bizarre. It's just weird. You have this bizarre video. You have these bizarre circumstances. You have this tragic case of people drinking the water. And then on top of that, you have this general sense in the public that we can solve this case. So now you have everyone's input, not just professionals who are looking into the case like LAPD detectives and so on and so forth. But now you have, you know, anyone and everyone being like, well, here's my theory of what happened. And here's my theory. And here's here's probably what happened. And here's what I found. And and so this is probably what happened. Is LAPD involved? Is CISO Hotel involved? You know, I mean, it was just an explosion of people putting forth their two cents about this case. So yeah, that's that's basically like a brief summary um i guess i don't really want to get in too much right now of you know my opinion about the case but yeah are, are there any questions so far nope that's no. a good good summary <laughs> okay so 
essentially what I kind of want to talk about really quickly is the history behind the CISO Hotel because it is just absolutely fascinating. And so let's talk about the CISO right now. Right now it sits in downtown Los Angeles and it is pretty much in the middle of Skid Row. So Skid Row is 56 blocks in Los Angeles of modern day wild, wild west, which is eight to 10,000 homeless people. And Skid Row has been around for over a hundred years. So they had in this docuseries, they had a bunch of professionals speaking to the history of Skid Row. And in my opinion, the not aside from Elisa, the star of the show is Dr. Doug Mun- Mungin is his last name. And he's a Skid Row historian. He was absolutely fascinating. But, you know, he goes to describe the kind of danger that Skid Row really faces every single day and every single night. Like you, you walk out into Skid Row and you're talking like rows and rows and rows of homeless camp. And this isn't to pass judgment onto the homeless population at all. This is record keeping of what happens in Skid Row. I mean, it's daily rapes, it's daily murders, it's daily drug overdoses. Um, so it is a pretty dangerous area that the Cecil is located in currently. And then. Dude, there's highlighter and <laughs> you are so, you are more prepared than we have ever, ever been for any episode. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Dude, I'm not joking you. I have like seven pages worth not only did I do seven pages, but I typed up a five-page, like, <laughs> really key points that I that I should hit. And then a summary breakdown of episode by episode of, like, what it's about. Wow. What I are the p- key points in this episode? It's probably peer-reviewed, so, too, right? I owe you at least, like, $15 for this, dude. I love it. I love no. it. Oh, sorry. Real quick. I don't know if you were going to touch on this, but Cecil Hotel, what's, like, the the rep? Like, was it a nice hotel? Right. Okay. So when it first was made, it was made, I think, in 1919. Yeah. In 1919, there is one of the biggest industrial booms, booms in the world in downtown Los Angeles. This is where, you know, Hollywood's starting to become a thing and everything like that. So when the Cecil was made, it took a million dollars at that time to make it. And it was like this really high end, fancy, schmancy hotel. That was the original view for the Cecil. Then the Great Depression hits. Um, it starts turning into a hotel and an extended living situation where people can pay really dirt cheap money just to stay there for long periods of time. And so that's really where its purpose changed dramatically it goes from this grand beautiful thing to this dump of a place in the great depression but as far as the history of why the cecil is super haunted there's just a ton of tragedies recorded at this place starting i think the earliest was in 1931 is the earliest reported suicide 1934 this person slashes their own throat In one of the rooms, 1962, Pauline jumps out. This woman named Pauline jumps out of a window, and she actually hit someone on the way down. Uh, 1964, there was this lady. They called her Pigeon Goldie. She was attacked, raped, stabbed midday in her room. Uh, Then the 1980s, Skid Row becomes tougher. There's more extended living stay there. So, I mean, you're talking two, three bucks a night to stay at the Cecil. So they had this character in the docuseries who basically has lived on Skid Row for over 30 years and stayed at the Cecil all through, you know, late 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, right? And he was describing, I never went past the sixth floor because that's where all the murders happen. That's where you you could get tossed out a window, like whatever. So it just becomes a a real tough place. And then obviously in the 80s, the most famous, you know, scary thing about the Cecil Hotel is that the Night Stalker would stay at the Cecil. So Richard Ramirez, when he was terrorizing Los Angeles. 
you know, he would stop it, in the docuseries. It stated he would stop in the alleyway, remove his bloody clothing, walk 14 flights of stairs in bloodstained underwear up to his bedroom where he was paying $14 a night. And everyone's just like, oh, that's ch- there's, there's rich. <laughs> yeah. No one said anything. No one just blinked an eye. They just let him do his thing. Cause you're, you're talking about Skid Row, you yeah. know, this is like, you're, you're seeing crazy stuff every single day. So Richard Ramirez stayed there. Um, another famous one that I didn't, I didn't really know the history about was in 1991, this journalist from Austria s- decides to stay at the Cecil. Now, Jack Underbaker is his name. And he was committed for rape and murder on multiple women in Austria. Then he ends up getting released. So he goes to Los Angeles. Immediately, the murders stop in Austria and start back up mm. in L.A. Sus. And yeah. his his target was sex workers. So he, he was a journalist. So he even arranged these ride-alongs with LAPD um, to learn about the red light district. He would take multiple sex workers up into his room in the Cecil, rape, stab, murder, strangle, torture them. So there's just kind of this ominous presence of pain and suffering and haunting, I don't know, around the Cecil itself. It's a creepy place to be. You know, I've been inside the Cecil before, I think twice. And it's just like, just knowing what's happened here Mm. is just, it's it's worse than a graveyard, right? Because at a graveyard, yeah, there's a bunch of just bad juju soul-wise, you know, for multiple souls being there. But being in a place where you know so much destruction has happened, it's just, it's a different level of like, heaviness you know for sure yeah if any place has bad juju it's the cecil (laughs) yeah Yeah, definitely so yeah that's kind of does that answer your question dj of why the cecil kind of has this like reputation i didn't even know what the rep was to begin with and how it evolved over time so they did just release a cecil hotel documentary on netflix too that's what heather's referencing that's what she's that's what you're like talking about okay cool yeah yeah yeah, it's a four episode docuseries um Uh, and it's called crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel in case any of the listeners want to go watch and haven't yet i do highly recommend watching it though because it's only four episodes and it's super educational. Like, you know, when we were talking earlier before about how the video made you guys feel and kind of what you remember about this case is pretty much what the rest of the general public feels without knowing all of the facts about this case. Hmm. You know, hmm. once you kind of understand what happened here, then things can kind of get easier to take in and under, I guess understand fully uh, why it may not be such a such a creepy thing. I know that's not the best for <laughs> this podcast, but I'm like, no, that's no, no, just no. my Say personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think that the Cecil's haunted, but I, I'm not sure if it's a paranormal experience. It, it very well could be actually some paranormal factors in the night that she went missing. There's no doubt about that. She actually got off of the elevator on the 14th floor, which is interesting because that's the floor that Richard Ramirez lived on. Hmm. So um, I guess we can just talk or I can tell you guys about some of the crazy coincidences surrounding this case. Please. Um, yeah. Wait, just to, just to preface a tiny bit. So yeah. she goes missing. People start tasting this brown water. They go open the yeah. they go open the tank. They find her body, and they have no idea what really happened. Then the security footage gets released, and they're like, "Okay, what's going on?" Right? And so, it, exactly. What, what do you know at the time? The official statement was just like she killed herself. Um. So that I guess that's not the official statement. The official statement is that her death. At first, they were kind of toying, is it an accident or is it undetermined, Mm. right? Because we don't really know what happened here. So that would make one believe that it's undetermined. 
but in the end, they actually ruled it an, an accident due to drowning. <laughs> even though, even though there weren't the common signs of drowning in the autopsy, which is inflated lungs, foam within the air pipes, um, she was found face up, right? Not which common. Normal drownings, people are found face down. Who was running this um, autopsy? <laughs> who was running it? The LAPD. Yeah, and like, who released the statement of like, oh yeah, I was drowning. LAPD. It's like. I think mm-hmm. I think it was more just like sweep under the rug because there were no other conclusions. This is what it sounds like so far with what I know, which isn't a lot. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and that's kind of why there was so much suspicion in conspiracies at this time. Because the public wasn't getting, it wasn't making sense to them. They're like, okay, well, she was found face up, right? And there weren't any, there wasn't any foam in the air pipes and you're on the fence whether it's undetermined or an accident like which one is it how do you know that that she drowned is it possible that she was killed and then placed in the water tank is that possible right Mm. so that's why the public was like the la's pd is absolutely covering something up here and the cecil hotel's involved in it dang so let's so let's jump into the weird things yeah these weird coincidences, I'm not joking you, this is exactly like what the phone conversation was Charlie with Charlie um, the other day that he mentioned. This is the entire like content of our phone call is how bizarre these coincidences are in this case because with however many murder cases I've looked into and followed, it's like the chances of all of these things happening is <laughs> it's just crazy like like mathematically, it's mind blowing, and like you'll see what, why. Yeah, I want to. I want to know what the coincidences Dude, just, are. To like, I was I was yelling on the phone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first major coincidence that they mention, and this is this particular one, is due to a lot of web sleuthers doing their homework and looking into this case more closely. Mm-hmm. So some of these web sleuthers found this movie called Dark Water. Okay. Dark Water is a horror movie that was remade in 2005. Keep in mind that this case happened in 2013. Okay. So this movie comes out far before the Elisa Lam case. The movie is about a mother and a daughter who move into this dilapidated apartment. I think it was in L.A., but don't quote me on that. The daughter, this little girl, is wearing this red jacket, and in fact, her whole entire outfit looks pretty similar to what Elisa Lamb was wearing the night that she went missing, and it was exactly similar to the clothes that were found at the bottom of the water tank. So, this little girl's wearing this red jacket, very, very looks very similar to what Elisa Lamb was wearing, and in the movie, people find that the water in this apartment building starts going brown. So it's part of the horror, like the tap water's running brown, the shower's running brown, which parallels with this case. And then in the movie, the little girl fell into the water tank on accident and died. So it's very similar in the sense of the Elisa Lamb case, where it's like this, you know, dilapidated place and then the running water and then someone actually being found in a water tank. Like, you know, considering that that movie came out eight years before the case is just kind of bizarre. Mm -hmm. So people go, now people are thinking, okay, is there some psychopath who's like trying to play out this dark water movie, right? That's terrifying. (laughs) It was pretty bizarre. I mean, it may not sound as exciting, but if you really think about it, it's like, dang, what are the chances, you know, that the major points of the movie are kind of, you know, parallel here. I mean, it at least points to the possibility of a copycat. Mm. absolutely yeah and and it and i think it would be foolish to not ask yourself like is it you know is it connected oh yeah you got to rule it out Mm. right so this this particular coincidence is the one that got me the hardest i think i i almost threw my paper at the wall the third time i'm watching this docuseries because i'm like this one is just so trippy (laughs) but days after lisa lamb's body was found this crazy outbreak of tuberculosis spreads throughout Skid Row. So everyone in Skid Row is needing to be tested for tuberculosis. So they showed this document in the docuseries by David Barnigan. And this document 
is basically explaining the, t- the testing needing done for tuberculosis in Skid Row at this time. And the name of one of the tests that is being distributed is called the Lamb Elisa test, spelled exactly the same as Elisa Lamb's name. So Elisa Lamb, her last name is L-A-M, and her first name is E-L-I-S-A. Well, this test, the name of this test is called the Lamb Elisa test. Wait, what? this happened before? Right her? after. This, or right after? This happened days after her body was found. What the f- We don't know why it was named nope. that? Nope. And it was before, like, the hype of it all? No, it was pretty much during the hype of okay. it all. Wait, so there's no actual explanation for why the test is called that? No. Why would and they call it that? What, forgive what is the me, pr- but I haven't researched into it because I. it just takes you to all these theories of why people think that. I have a theory. I, I have no idea why this test is called that. I have a theory. Okay. This is a theme um, conspiracy theories point to a lot. So Heather's giving you credible things. I'm about to give you BS. <laughs> but there is a type of magic called sigil magic. And sigil magic draws a lot of its power. It's like uh, doing um, ceremonies, but in the open. So if you can do like evil acts and give clues and show what you're doing, it gives more power to the ritual. Mm, Yeah. And so doing things like putting little Easter eggs, like, oh, her name's Elisa Lamb. Let's call it Lamb Elisa, like backwards Mm -hmm. flipping it. And like putting that out there and like pretty much kind of showing your hand gives the ritual way more power. It's almost like the secret, like speaking it into existence, Mm -hmm, but like kind of badly. (laughs) See, at, at the very least, I feel like that's so disrespectful. (laughs) Like, at the very least, like, who pulled the trigger on that? Say, let's just call this tuberculosis test uh, uh, Lamalisa. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Didn't that girl just die, like, two days ago? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. No one will notice. Something really interesting, too, to add to this name thing is that Elisa Lam studied in Canada at the University of British Columbia. Okay, so she wasn't in the research. I don't think she even was near the particular program at this college, but it's interesting that the University of British Columbia has a well-known tuberculosis program called the Center for Tuberculosis Research. It's like very well-known. So, and it, it didn't really mention I feel like they would have mentioned in the docuseries if she was involved in that program at all, but it didn't seem like she was involved in that program. It seemed more like her degree was elsewhere, and I could be completely wrong on that, but that's the only thing that I could think about having any sort of connection to this name because I don't know if the test came from the University of British Columbia. I don't know anything, but it's just interesting that she goes to this university that happens to be one of the leading researchers in tuberculosis, you know? So it's just bizarre. It's weird. There the, has that's to be the something coincidence there. that just got me the most. Like, mm-hmm. it's called the Lamb Elisa test. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Bizarre. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, Give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, And it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have I have nothing to. It's say probably about the magic, that. the magic thing. I bet. <laughs> what is it called again? Sk- schedule, schedule, schedule magic. Schedule magic. Yeah. Just on Skid Row. Yeah. There you go. Solved. <laughs> um. Okay. Another coincidence is, and this one is, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Whatever. The last bookstore. Okay, that is the name of a bookstore in Los Angeles. Uh, on the day that Elisa Lam went missing, she visited this bookstore and purchased a few books. She was afraid that she wasn't going to be able to carry these books, uh, like they were going to be too heavy. So two employees from the bookstore hand-delivered a box of books to the Cecil Hotel. They, the cops thought it could be a lead at some point. It wasn't. But... Web sleuthers were like, okay, well, if Elisa Lam was there on the last day, let's check out this bookstore and see if there's anything fishy with it. So they get on their website, they go to the registrant uh, information section, which is like a registry essentially of everything. They find this zip code, okay? They type in this zip code to Google Maps and it leads them to the cemetery where Elisa Lam was buried wait what where's the zip code found yeah trace that back one more time this zip code is found literally like on a on a registry list on the website so it's you'll have to watch the docuseries to actually see the page it just has a bunch of registry information which means it's registered tabs right so it could be a purchase and if it's Elisa Lamb's purchase and she gave that zip code, right, then it could be in the general area of where the cemetery is. It's just interesting that when, you, when, when you're on the website and you copy and paste that specific zip code, mm. it pops up the exact address for the cemetery that she's buried at. That is a right? little weird. I see what you mean by ticket with a grain of salt. But. So it could either be, well, it's the same zip code as where she lives. But why would it pinpoint you exactly? Like it pops up that little red like teardrop within thing, the right? cemetery. It, exactly on the cemetery. That's weird. So Google knows, dude. That, they were behind the TB test. Google did it. Definitely, right? definitely. I mean, uh, Google's involved. LAPD, Cecil Hotel. It's all I mean, a big conspiracy, for real. Um. So being at the Cecil itself is kind of a coincidence because we were talking on, you know, the history of the Cecil and its bad reputation. So it's like, of course, it's at the Cecil and nowhere else in L.A., Mm. right? So even just simply being at the Cecil, that's a coincidence in itself. Okay, this one's interesting. So it's just by coincidence that this guy from Mexico has a stage name named Morbid. So he's a hard death metal musician and his stage name is Morbid. Well, he has a few songs. So he stayed at the Cecil. So web sleuthers were like, let's look at uh, any video that people have on the Cecil Hotel and see if we can find out anything about a a relation to Elisa Lam. So they find this guy named Morbid. He's like videotaping himself inside the Cecil. He's like, yeah, what up? I'm staying at the Cecil. And so people start looking into this Morbid guy. And he has this song that was released a few days after Elisa's body was found. And the preface, or sorry, the basis of this song is that a woman is running for her life throughout the entire song and then eventually and ultimately she's captured tortured and murdered right so people go mind explosion because that video kind of it it can like sean mentioned it can seem like she was paranoid she was paranoid about being chased Mm -hmm. right 
she's looking outside of the ho- of the elevator door, like left and right, and she's like hiding in corners and just seems very scared. So people are like, why is this morbid guy who stayed at the Cecil releasing this song that this girl's running for her life and then is ultimately murdered, right? Mm. And the then so they start looking smoke. into other songs. This other song, this one's pretty weird. He has these lyrics in this song that says, I'm thinking China, okay? Which, Elisa Lamb's Chinese. And the whole song is about a girl drowning. So he basically has like a part in one of the verses or whatever where it's like, I'm thinking China. And then the whole rest of the song is like, she drowned like water in her lungs and like all this crazy stuff. What does the it's like, I'm thinking China line have to do with? Elisa's Chinese. I, yeah, she's well, like full so, Chinese. So then we're saying he wrote this song about her? Maybe he's capitalizing about like on if, the situation to try and like gain notoriety. Mm. That's what I think yeah. of when it comes to that guy specifically. Mm. I know Elisa Lam's Chinese, but it's oh. like assuming that he wasn't like tying this song to her like what did that chinese line have to do with the rest of the song yeah Yeah, and keep in mind guys this is in 2013 which is totally different than 2021 you know even in 2013 when viral videos are like you know still somewhat new and everything i mean it was shocking to a ton of people to see someone like morbid being so open with his choice to be who he was with with the darkness Mm -hmm. you know um and that's my opinion and when you watch this docuseries you're kind of in that feeling already because you have you know you're you're just in this um time zone that they set you in and i think why it was disturbing for people is because you know they're doing the research and they're like morbid's connected to the hotel Morbid has these crazy lyrics. Mm-hmm. He must be involved because yeah. there's there's something bigger going on here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The subject matter per se isn't surprising to me when it comes to like a death metal or black metal band. Mm. Like mm. they be talking about that subject matter all the time. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he stayed there, what, what like before? Right. Her? So how long? How long before the, her? A year. Okay. Uh, so he wasn't a checked year. in when she disappeared? He was not, but people uh, didn't make that clear when they did their web sleuthing on him. Ah. Uh, you know, they took that little bit and they ran with it. Yeah. The co- The reason why I put it in the list of coincidences is because it's like, what are the odds that he releases a video a few days after Elise's body's found of a, you know, like, what are the Drowning odds? Like, yeah. the timing of it. Running it's away. Just like, yeah. It's a little sus. At, yeah, at the very least, it's a it's a coincidence. Yeah. And it and it, it's just interesting because it's like, if he had chosen to put that video out a few days, like, or a few months later even, it would be like, it wouldn't be as much of an explosion as it was, right? So it's just unfortunate that that's the coincidence because I'm not going to say poor morbid um, because quite honestly, it's like, yeah, he had some shitty things happen to him, but whatever. This isn't about morbid. But the web sleuthers went after him like crazy. Like if you come back to LA, we will fucking kill you. Kind of the, shit, yeah, you know? witch hunt is real online oh, and yeah, doxing. Yeah. So. Yeah, he got wrecked. So that's unfortunate. <sighs> okay, another coincidence. It's not the craziest thing in the world, but it's just another coincidence. The autopsy report. So Dr. Tovar, he accidentally marks on the autopsy report could not be determined. So there's this section in any autopsy, right, that says manner of death. You have to state the manner that they died. He marked could not be determined. And then there's a mark underneath it that says error with the date 6-18-13. Next to that, he marks accident 
by drowning. And the date on that, X, says, apparently, 6, 15, 13. So people go crazy about this because they're studying this case, like, real time. And, I mean, they're going over every single inch of what the LAPD releases because they don't trust the LAPD. So they're going through this autopsy and they're like, why would you mark could not be determined on 618 say it was an accident but three days earlier you marked accident by drowning like which one is it just further proves that you guys are just sweeping something under the rug right yeah yeah that's it comes to find out though you come to find out that if you really zoom into that date it says 618 not 615 i can see how people would think that it says 615 um the pen must have gone out or something, you know, while he was making this like loop. Mm. But I think it says 618. Other people would disagree with me, but it's a coincidence because like, it's just funny how all these little things happened that are big deals because it, it was one of the biggest cases in the, in our time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, it's like, what are the odds that he just was human that day and accidentally made that mistake and the pen happens to go out during his loop and you know what I mean? And it's just blown out of <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what are the odds with that happening at the same time as all of these other coincidences happening that is making it so much more concerning? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um. Another thing is communication errors. So a huge reason why people were convinced that it's a foul play case is because the LAPD released a press conference stating when they went to go retrieve Elisa Lamb's body, they found the hatch door on top of the water tank closed. So this is important because if Elisa jumped in herself depending on that water level it would be very 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 difficult to get that hatch door back over yourself like let's say she was to die by suicide Mm -hmm. right that was her plan let's say she jumped in well then she has to lift herself out drag a 20 pound iron hatch door over and then pull it and close it as she jumps back into the water. So that would be, if not impossible, incredibly difficult. Right. So the hatch door being on or off is actually super important, right? LAPD claims that when they went to go retrieve her body, the hatch door was closed. So that may be true, though. Because I caught this one, I caught this one pretty early within the docuseries. I was like, okay, something's not matching up here. And I know exactly what it is. So LAPD didn't find Elisa Lamb's body. Who found it? The maintenance worker, right? Right. So how did he find it? And he doesn't really come out and state it until court. And um, so after everything's dust, the dust settles and everything, Elisa Lamb's family files a civil suit against CISO Hotel saying you could have done better to prevent people from getting on the roof. You could have notified someone about Elisa Lamb's bizarre behavior days leading up to this disappearance. Uh, so they basically filed a wrongful death suit. Well, it came out in court that uh, Santiago Lopez, who's the maintenance guy, he, when he discovered Elisa Lamb's body, the, the door was open. The hatch door was open on the water tank. So he must have closed it, and then LAPD found it closed, hmm. right? So there was a major miscommunication there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seems pretty simple, right? Like, when the press or when web sleuthers or whoever are going crazy saying, the hatch door was closed, the hatch door was closed, oh my gosh, that means foul play, the LAPD should have been like, wait a minute, was the hatch door closed? Because we didn't find the body. It seems like they should have been like... Addressed it. Santiago, how? what was the hatch door when you fi- found it? 
And he would have said, open. And then they could come out and say, hey, we misspoke in the press conference. It was actually found open, you know. And they could have squashed that one. But it's just cr- it's just a crazy coincidence that all of these miscommunication errors from LAPD caused them to be the number one suspect in the public's eyes, mm. essentially. Mm. Yeah. It's just like either negligence or more likely in this scenario, guilt. Yeah. Probably for lazy police work and oh, yeah. no offense At to LAPD, least. but I mean, come on. It seems like a no-brainer. Mm. Anyway, those are my major coincidences surrounding the Elisa Lamb case, Dark Water, and the outbreak of TB. I can't get over those. Yeah, those yeah. are insane. That outbreak of TB is so wild. Yeah. Like naming the thing after her. That's and, concerning to me. Like, where did that come from? And her working in a lab that like specializes in TB. <sighs> that stands yeah. out to me I mean, the most. I don't know if she worked in the lab or not, but she oh, went she to went the same to university same who has the major center for tuberculosis research. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I kind of want to share my opinion about, you know, why or how Elisa Lamb ended up in the water tank. Because that seems to be the leading question still till this day. No one knows. You know, there's no video of it. It's like, was she carried and dumped in? Is it possible? Yes. No. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of want to share after watching the docuseries kind of where I stand on that. Let's hear it. Okay. So something that I learned within this docuseries is actually two major things. One. Elisa Lamb suffered from type 1 or bipolar type 1 disorder, right? So that's a pretty severe version of bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. So severe, in fact, that people do have psychotic features and display psychotic features when they suffer from bipolar type 1, meaning hallucinations, hearing voices, you know, it's possible for people to experience that Mm -hmm. when you're bipolar. Uh, The second major thing I learned was Elisa displayed pretty bizarre behavior on the days leading up to her disappearance. They, some of the cops speak to a few events of what happened that display bizarre behavior. So for example, one of this cop, one of these cops says, Elisa went out to a live recording out in Burbank and she was very adamant to get this handwritten letter that she had written to the host. Mm -hmm. So adamant, in fact, that security had to kick her out and remove her from the property. So, so the autopsy report showed that there were low levels of the medication she was supposed to be on in her system at the time that they sent in the talks reports Mm -hmm. right so what that told investigators is she and also another thing her medicine bottles that she left behind had more pills in it than it should have you know they were able to be like okay it got refilled on this date but there's more in here than so she wasn't the day she went missing so they were led to believe that she had stopped taking her medication sometime on arrival of la and she was supposed to stay in la for a few days So she could have very much, you know, already been going through an episode, a psychotic break, days before this even happened, which would kind of explain, and according to one of my favorite people who spoke on this docuseries, her name is Dr. Judy Ho, and she is a clinical forensic neuropsychologist. So she was able to take all this information about Elisa Lamb, considering the fact that she has this bipolar disorder, understand her behavior before, you know, the day she goes disappearing and make a determination that if she was not on her medication, which is what we think, then it would make perfect sense that she would be acting that way in the elevator. Mm. Like to her, it was like a no brainer. That's the explanation for the bizarre behavior in the elevator. Hmm. Um, So that kind of brought some closure to my chest because I think that's the most, you know. Logical. Yeah, it's the most logical, but 
it was the most disturbing part of the case back in the day when I didn't mm. know anything about it. It was like, man, that elevator video is really weird, you know, so weird that it looks haunting or it looks like supernatural or it looks, you know, and all these things. But hearing, you know, this doctor's testimony on her opinion of the bizarre behavior that bipolar type one can, you know, instigate in a lot of individuals. Mm -hmm. It kind of brought some peace to my chest being like, oh, man, she was probably having a psychotic break. Yeah. That's probably what the case was, you know. And how she ended up on the roof. I don't know. She could have, you know, gone up the stairwell or up the fire escape. Why she chose to get into the tank. I don't know. The body being placed up. Um, there was circulation in those tanks and it could have spun her around multiple times until she finally ended up why she was naked and why her clothes were found at the bottom um she probably experienced hypothermia so either she was treading water for so long and got tired that she took her clothes off or she was experiencing hypothermia which you would then take all your clothes off because that's one of the symptoms is your body and your internal heat just it seems as if you're like burning from the inside out so there's there's a lot that they explain to the crazy things that web sleuthers and people got so, you know, batshit about in the past. Huh. They, the, a lot of professionals speak to a lot of those points. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it's so crazy. So I think she was having a psychotic break, and I think that she entered the water tank for some mm. reason that we will never be able to understand. Unless you experience a psychotic break, you know? Yeah, yeah. My gut... And, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, and, and and that's about it. You know, I think that it was just a tragic accident. Yeah. That feels like I've gotten the most closure from your explanation than, like, anything else before. At mm. the same time, like, even if we go with that... The, the TB test, man. That's the one that stands out. <laughs> That's still. still like that, like almost brings me back to square one. Yeah, it's impossible yeah. to deny how utterly insane that coincidence is. It's like it can't be ignored. So as much closure, because I agree too. My gut says that's right. That's the that's what happened. Her name's Judy, Judy Ho. Yeah, Doctor Judy Ho. I'm with yeah. Judy on it, but uh. But then again, there's just this tiny little itch in the back of my head. It's like, what about you know X, Y, and Z? All those weird little things. Hmm. I know, I know, I know. Um, I don't know if we'll ever know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that you know, even during her psychotic break, she actually was being chased. And um, I'm not going to say that's possible. impossible. No, super possible. Yeah. Especially where she was yeah. at. Dude, that was incredible. Yeah. I hope I, I do apologize. I feel like um, I felt very bad that I didn't have a spooky sense. No, um, that no. is spooky. spooky yeah. <laughs> no answer to at least the TB test is kind of creepy still to me. Now, this is exactly yeah. what we wanted. Yeah. So I just wanted the hard facts. I wanted it broken down. You did. An amazing job, like perfect, exactly what I was wishing and hoping for. <laughs> okay. Uh, you should have a All podcast right, for real. I would listen. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, I, I wouldn't even know what I would talk about, honestly, but, um, well, I mean, but this was really fun. I do, I do appreciate you letting me do this because I feel like I, it's my, uh, my shining moment where I'm like, okay, what are my strengths? And then let's type up seven pages of notes. And, you know what I mean? So it was fun for me. Uh, awesome. Well, honestly, we'd love to have you come on again and share similar type things because I'm too lazy. I'm not going to go in and break it down like that. And uh, I'm not going to do it so eloquently like you did. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking a time and preparing throughout the week and stuff. <laughs> Agree. Oh, yeah. oh, no, no problem. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Any questions before we let her go? I think I'm good. Any I don't have, I can't even think of any. <laughs> My brain is melted. I have, I have a I have a question. Oh. Um, okay, so this wasn't necessarily like super, super spooky. It was just more interesting. 
But something that terrifies me to no end, right, is the criminal mind and um, the mind of serial killers or, or what is the turning point that makes people go from I'm a regular citizen in this world to I'm literally going to go take someone's life tonight. Yeah. You know, like that turning point for me is inc- incredibly terrifying. I'm always looking at people being like, you're a weird mother, aren't you? You know what I mean? Like, and sorry for cussing, but I'm like, <laughs> you, there's like, you're just different and there's something off about you kind of thing. You know, and you could just tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really want to know. But anyway, so if you did have me back on, I would love to speak to uh, about something that truly terrifies me. And that would be the mind of, you know, some of these terrible people. Um, not that I'm an expert at it at all. It's just, I'm absolutely fascinated by the subject. Um, one in particular that I'm thinking of is named Israel Keys. And I kind of have a little joke that he's my favorite serial killer. Um, but that's not to say that I appreciate his work at all. <laughs> have you guys heard of Israel sense. Keys at all? No, I think so. I, Heather is like broken down Israel to me and he was like, the other thing where I was like, dude, you need to come on and like teach, teach us about Israel. See a black dude cult leader. No, then no. Okay. Don't look anything up in the meantime. Okay. Let let Heather break it down. If you see anything on the internet, just move right on past. Dude, it's, it's what Sean, put your phone away. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) dude, thank you so much. Um, anything you want to plug? Anything I want to plug. Yeah. I want to plug my beautiful mother. Um, she's sitting close to you guys right now Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for her because I'm pretty sure I I got a lot of her looks and a lot of her genetics and I couldn't be more grateful. So shout out to my mom and, uh, shout out to my siblings. Oh, if you guys remember, um, last time I was on, I believe I was with my girlfriend, Madison O'Neill, who is the owner and creator of Made Ceramics. So if you look up Made Ceramics on Instagram, you can see all of Madison's beautiful little pottery. Sean, and Sean can you grab a mug? And website in the bio. Sorry, say that last part because I was so rude. And there's a link to her website in the bio. Show that right up in the camera. Ye- Hold on, try to, get, try to get it to focus. <laughs> Oh, there it goes. Nice. So Maddie made these beautiful mugs. She's an incredible potter, ceramicist. Yeah, so hit up the link and go go support. Uh, last thing before I let you go. Very last thing. Mm-hmm. Any update on your pervy roommate? <laughs> Not Maddie, <sighs> the ghost. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so last time we talked about how Madison saw Ray crawling on the ground. That happened to me the other night. No joke. Oh. Like, it was one of the scariest moments. I don't usually get scared by Ray, but I got scared by that. Okay. Wait, wait. I didn't hear th- wait, Cliff that. Wait. Cliffhanger. Share it next time. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I, like, legit am kind of watering up at the thought of somebody crawling in my house. No bueno. Yep. No me gusta, dude. <laughs> okay, will you come on and share that that uh, next time? Sometime soon? That, that and your thoughts uh, with the turning point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Cool. Yes, okay. absolutely, I will. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. All right, sister. Love you so much. Love Thanks you, for Heather. coming on. See ya. Love you, too. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.